So hello, hello, and thank you for joining me on Heron's Home Podcast. This is your host, Karee Robertson, alongside my sound man extraordinaire, Rico G. What up, what up? Thank you for joining me. Oh boy, here we go. We stepping it up again. Today, uh, see, I was talking a whole lot of shit before uh, the other episode, talking about, see, you don't got no mic for you, so you over there, jabber, 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 can't, <laughs> right. can't nobody hear you, but now... Of course, just to make me look stupid. I am here. Someone's got a mic. Oh, shit. All right, man. Cool. So it'll be good to hear uh, hear your voice so you could uh, bounce some of these ideas off of me. Um, for sure, for sure. Yeah, man. So hope everyone's bringing in the new year well. You know what I mean? Kicking it off, uh, holding uh, true to your resolutions or uh, or not. Who cares? doesn't really matter. As long as you're doing good by you, that's all that really matters. But uh, yeah, so um, been uh, let's go ahead and start off with uh, the entertainment like I usually do. So I was on Netflix and my girl was like, "Yo, let's watch the net, uh, the Kevin Hart uh, little mini series thing that he did. Yo, it should be funny, should be entertaining." And I was like, "All right, cool. It's Kevin Hart. You know what I mean? I'm not a huge fan of his, but I've always he's always good for a chuckle. He'll give you a chuckle here and there. And so hey." I actually, use my time with that. I actually like Kevin Hart the comedian though. Not so much Kevin Hart the actor, but I do like Kevin Hart the comedian. As I said, yeah, he's good for a chuckle. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he he does a lot of the high pitched voice antics, <laughs> and I feel like I've grown out of that a little bit. Exactly. But I'm not hating on it. For those who are still entertained by it, make them millions, bro. But as it is, um, I think he's kind of clownish in his side antics, but. That is what it is. I mean, you can only judge somebody for their personal choices, but so far, I mean, he's making way more money than me, so my opinion doesn't really mean all that much. But anyway, so we stepped foot into this mini series, and I was I was expecting not what I got. <laughs> but um I mean, you know what my biggest problem with it was, because I did not find it entertaining, is all the self-adulation. I mean, my man really spent like a solid three of those episodes talking about how hard he works and having all of his mans talk about how hard he works. That is, that's actually kind of funny. It's terrible. That's terrible. It's terrible. And I just, it's just, I didn't find that that entertaining at all. And it's like, I don't disbelieve that he works hard unless he was doing it ironically because the shit that he was doing did not look difficult nor did it look like he was not having fun. <laughs> so if he was doing it ironically, then actually it was fucking genius. And I take back everything that I've said so far. But if he was doing that seriously, and he was really trying to impress upon the crowd how hard of a worker he is, not that he doesn't work a lot. I don't doubt one bit that he works a lot. What I'm doubting is, is how particularly hard he works, especially when he has time to be doing all the crazy shit that he does. So that's just me. That's just me, in my opinion. But I did not find <laughs> it very... And I gave, I gave, I think, or watched four episodes. So I gave them, I think, the majority of it a watch. Man, that's more than me. I kind of, I kind of sniffed that out just from the intro. You know what I mean? I was just like, I mean, not from the intro, but the little trailer that Netflix has. Um... The fact that I, I knew it wasn't a stand-up because it wasn't some grand spectacle right off the right off the um, right right from jump, so I, I knew it was gonna be something that was like, all right, 
you know you know like when someone messes up and they have that corporate uh, prepared statement for them where it's like the apology non-apology that they come out and say i feel like this is his show version of that you know what i mean yeah, so, I mean, people keep asking him for to apologize for shit, and I can understand his frustration with that. And that's not—I uh, was not upset about his right his, same, his point there. Same, yeah. Absolutely, I'd be absolutely just as frustrated as him and act just as erratically. But nonetheless, that and he also did make another good point, which I think is great—a great point for entertainers to take away, and that is, um, fuck the reviews, make your art, put it out for the people who enjoy it, and let the reviewers fuck themselves. Because guess what? The reviewers are there to to really give you their point of view on things that they generally like. And I don't think that any review, reviewer is so unbiased that they don't have a preference. And sometimes you aren't their preference. And so it's difficult if you have a niche, especially a niche that doesn't go into media publication frequently, you know what I mean? Then you're not, it's it's going to be hard for you to get reviewers that, that review you well outside of the media that your niche subscribes to. So, you know, I, I did like that point that he made that he made when he said, um, fuck the reviewers. I just make my art. And if you laugh, you laugh. And that's what I make it for that. I respect a ton facts, <clears throat> but yeah. Um, overall, I did not think that that little mini series was really worth the watch. I mean, maybe two episodes, like the one where he where he was um talking about his apology, his actual apology for the old tweets and how he was like, "Yo, I'm done with the apologies." That was actually a decent episode, and any other episode just to get a feel for the rest of it because it's mostly just him and his voice talking about how hard they work. I'm like, "Yo, my G, I I feel you and I respect that," but I don't. I just don't feel like you need to say it that many times. Like everyone who watches you knows you work hard as fuck. I can see the the production behind what you do. But it's tough, man. It's really tough. <laughs> it's hard. But speaking of trash documentaries, man, I have no fucking clue why there is another part to the Surviving R. Kelly documentary. Hashtag Savage Segway. Yo, I'm sorry, man. But that one, I wouldn't even, don't even, please don't even entertain that garbage. I don't know why, but it does seem like an America has a very odd fascination with the pain and agony of black people. And R. Kelly is just poster boy for that because boy, do they love to hate him and they love to love him. They, they want so badly, but he's so egregious with his sins that now they're just, they're just happy to watch him wallow in pain. And it's just like, Really, like, do we really need to publicize this more? I, I'm pretty sure that everyone is fully aware, and it is not difficult to find out who and what R. Kelly's whole story is. So, the fact that they're publicizing this more is just disgusting. But it, it just, it just speaks to a greater issue that America has with being just completely fixated on the pain of black people. And that's particularly, and, 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 and that'll lead me to two other pop culture references, which is Lee Daniels, which I do not support Lee Daniels or anything that Lee Daniels produces, because for some reason, the only thing that he seems to portray to, to, to the media audience is the suffering of black people and the subservience of black people. So until he decides that, hey, there, 
you know, there's something else to the black experience other than suffering. I'm not particularly interested um, in, in, in what he's doing, but he is definitely one of the largest purveyors of displaying um, black pain in cinema. And another one is, is, and this is more in a positive light, is Childish Gambino, because I think that part of the message of that This Is America video that he made was how disconnected people are from the suffering of black people. Because if you look at the opening of that that video that he made, it, look at his face. He is contorting it in every which way possible to show you how uncomfortable that he is with 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 the, with with what's going on around him and his actions, his dancing in his in in, in the style that he was. He's so disgusted by it and so, and it's so painful for him. But people will still watch it and be entertained by it. Watching this black man's face agonize because in several shots in the opening, you see shots of his face and just how weird it is and how he's contorting it. And I think that that's what he's trying to get at is there's no amount of pain and agony that I can put through in this in this performance that would get people to not be entertained by it because a black man's suffering is what they're entertained by. But that's just my opinion. Um, yeah. I really hope that that whole I that whole trend of making these cancel culture documentaries kind of just fades off because I don't particularly enjoy it and I don't think that it's good for for any culture <laughs> not just the culture. But um yeah, let's move on from that. It was funny cuz I was listening to um a conversation and they were talking about the term industry plants and it it was an interesting conversation because the the way that they were that one person was using the term was very different than my understanding of the term. And it got me thinking that that's a, that's an interesting concept. And there's a couple other concepts that kind of, that kind of, I think have either multiple meanings or are discussed in, in a, in a misunderstood way. And the term that they were using was industry plant. And so one person was using it in reference to, uh, a person who the industry, i.e. someone from a large label like Atlantic, uh, puts into the musical landscape and cultivates and grows and essentially A&Rs, which by that definition, everybody would be an industry plant who has a who signs to a record label. But that's not my understanding of the term. My understanding of the term is more as in the industry has planted that person kind of like how a, a, a cop plants drugs. And so an industry's plant is someone who's put there disingenuously, who might appear in a genre and might be popular in a genre and is getting promoted, but isn't generally part of that genre. And that's why I think like a Post Malone might come up as an industry plant because he's a folk singer, but has label backing as a hip hop artist. He's been planted there disingenuously, though the label would like you to think that this is just somebody who's just a talented rapper, who who is part of the culture, which he might be a talented rapper. He does make some some uh, really popular music, but and I don't even know if you would consider it rap. It might be more pop, but 
for whatever whatever you might consider his music, he might be talented, but he is not genuinely a hip hop artist. You know what I mean? Um, same thing with like a nigga Azalea. That would be like a plant. She was disingenuously planted in the industry, and she showed herself to be fraudulent, not just in her her presence, but in her skill. So Iggy Azalea is one of the most prolific <laughs> rappers of our generation, and you're just being completely disrespectful. Now, 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 you want to talk about industry plants? I'm interested. I feel like Takashi Six Nine is an FBI plant. Straight up. Straight up, like that happened too. Like that happened way too flawlessly. Like I feel like there was a lot of double crossing going on there. You know what I mean? Like yeah, there did seem to be a lot. I of think obvious he traps. might have initialized the contact with with the Treyway, but as soon as the FBI, who had been watching Treyway, realized that there was contact there. He was compromised. They knew, oh, this kid, this kid, he'll give us everything. And they, in whatever way they could, disingenuously promoted that contact, knowing that he would be a chink in their armor. That's just, that's, I love, I love, yo, I'm going to be real heavy on the theories today. I oh, mean, no. real heavy, real heavy on the theories today. But, um... Yeah. So but that's my understanding. A, an industry plant. So that's why I wouldn't consider Russ an industry plant. Even though I might not like Russ's music. But Russ is genuinely ten toes to the ground making his art, marketing his art, and performing his art to an audience that loves his art. That I could respect. Even if I don't like what he's doing. Right. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. so, but, you know, that is that is different than than some of the other people that I might have named. Um, another thing is uh, I hear a lot is culture vultures. Now, <clears throat> from what I understand, a culture vulture is somebody who eats off of the culture but flies somewhere else to go nest, meaning that they benefit from a culture that they have no interest in keeping alive. That's why I would say that somebody like a Lior Cohen is a culture vulture, even though a lot of black people ate from him. He had no interest in seeing any of those people survive, and a lot of those people ended up not rich and great problems after, you know what I mean? He very disingenuously gave them a bunch of money, not realizing these were people who not who they don't come from money. They needed they needed help and they needed management and they needed guidance. A lot of them were really young too. I fucked off a lot of money in my day. Don't ever get it twisted. So, you know what I mean? <clears throat> That's why people like that are culture vultures to me. I don't think that white executives who profit off of young black men, even though they give those young black men jewels and chains. When was the last time they had given them chains? Okay. But just because they give you jewels and chains and cars and whips don't mean that they're empowering you. 
That's all I'm saying. They're eating off of you, but they ain't sleeping where you sleep. They're flying off someplace else to go nest and do their thing. You know what I mean? That's a culture vulture. That's where the analogy comes in from me. So I don't know. People don't associate that. People don't. People people will, will give a lot of people a lot of passes. Now, if that's your thing, that's cool. But let us recognize so that we know not to invest in those platforms. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you're going to be a culture vulture, I'm not saying don't make your money. This is America. It's not my place to tell you where and what to do. All I ask is that you be honest so that as a community, we don't invest a whole bunch into that. <laughs> that we don't give the people that you produce social value that they don't deserve just because they got the money that you gave them to floss and, and pretend. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's culture vultures. You know what I mean? Because the community is not going to flourish in the presence of that. And we've seen what happens. They promote very detrimental. I they re, they promote people who have detrimental habits, and get to broadcast them disproportionately to the to the public, and the public season is like, yo, that's fun, and then and then you get Molly Percocet, Molly Molly Percocet, and it's like, what the, f <laughs> like, come on, man, like, another American classic, like that, like that's crazy, you know what I mean, like that's very unhealthy. Like, on the face of it, that's very unhealthy. So it's just, we need to be very mindful of the people who are eating off of the culture and then flying someplace else. That's all I'm saying. Because uh, if we don't, it's going to be a lot of not, not good stuff. Because, you, like, and you can see it's so stark. Look at your Dreamvilles, your TDEs. These are people who eat where they make their art at. These are all people who are invested in the communities that their art comes from. And so what do you get? You get shit that's wildly entertaining, yes. But also, you could listen to and and, and, and you're not consistently bombarded with, with lyrics about doing drugs. That's, I don't know. You listen to TDE, and yes, you do get a lot of their life experience in it. But I don't believe that it's glorified. Like, when I listen to Schoolboy Q and I listen to, to J-Rock, it doesn't make me want to go gangbang. It makes me respect their struggle. And it, really, it, and it really allows me an outlet to maybe connect to something that I don't get to feel on a regular basis. That's it. I don't know. I don't feel like that's harmful, but I think that if I have access to drugs and I connect to your emotional, you know what I mean, struggles with addiction, it's probably not going to be good for me in the end. And this goes back to, you know, what I was talking about a couple podcasts ago with this problem that we got with um these artists dying young from drug addiction. But anyway, that's a tangent on a tangent. <clears throat> Moving on to something other, some more news-related stuff. I know that if, if you've heard of TikTok, you're probably either under 25, and if you haven't heard of TikTok, you're probably older than 35. It is a very, very popular social media app, and, it, and I find it, it has a very interesting uh, position right now. 
in that it's prolifically used amongst young people. And young people are dangerously unaware of what censorship on these platforms is and does. And TikTok is a Chinese-owned platform. And so you better believe that it has very heavy censorship on it. And so it's interesting because I'm sure that most of the people on it don't realize how much of it is probably filtered and banned and and controlled by the platform itself. So I really hope that people who utilize that pay attention to it. And it's interesting when, when you see like Michael Bloomberg owns tick, uh, a TikTok, a very widely used TikTok account, and knowing that that is a platform mainly to young people. So it's interesting that he's trying to, to connect and be the mouthpiece of that kind of information to young people. I don't know if those are the people we want conveying that kind of information. You know what I mean? I don't know if I want Michael Bloomberg on a Chinese platform telling young people how, to, how, to, how the country should look and, and, and disseminating news to them. That's, that screams danger to me. But hey, you know, that's once again, I'm on the theories today, bro. I'm on the theories. The Chinese taking over the youth through social I mean, media platforms. That is not a theory. <laughs> that is not a theory. That doesn't even sound crazy to you, though. That don't even sound crazy. That, uh, 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 what TikTok is doing. Yeah. Well, if you invest, buy stock in TikTok if you can. <laughs> it's probably going to go up before it goes down. That's for sure. But, um, yeah, in other news, Australia's on fucking fire, man. Bad. The, yo, the, 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 the video is out of control bad. The video is frighteningly bad. And what's even frightening to me as a black man in America is that I don't see any Aboriginal people. I don't see any of the ethnic minorities. Uh, minorities. I don't see any of the of the indigenous people. No, no one. I don't see... All I see is white people being evacuated. And I really hope that the Aboriginal people and the ethnic minorities are, are being serviced and getting out of there because... That just sounds like a tragedy waiting to happen, waiting to happen, especially for the Aboriginal people where they might not be as clued in as to how to get to safety. Um, and I can only imagine the ridiculous right wing conservative arguments that are being made right now in the Australian government as to why that shouldn't be a priority. But I really hope that, that those people are, are OK. And my heart goes out to them for sure. Sure. Um, yeah, and of course, if we're going to talk about politics and news, we're going to have to talk about Trumpito uh, trying to sit here and posture with Iran, you know, as if war across the friggin' Atlantic Ocean and all across Europe is going to really be uh, uh, a, <laughs> a meaningful endeavor for either side. I mean, it, it's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And I mean, the facts on the ground are that there's a lot of chaos in the messaging coming out of the White House. There's a lot of chaos in, well, you can't reliably get any messaging out of the Middle East. And so it's just like, man, it, it, it's, a, it's a real shit show. But um, I mean, from what I understand, from the reporting that I've seen thus far, the reliable reporting that I've seen, it looks like they were, they had a target in Iraq there's a militia leader named Mulaney, I believe, that they were targeting. Soleimani was meeting with Mulaney at the time. That's where they get this this whole story about 
oh, um, Soleimani was in Iraq trying to to stir up militias against the the Iraqi embassy. Now that's a story that they keep on concocting. That has been shown not to be true because Soleimani is a official. He is a, a Iranian general. His trip to Iraq was dom- was documented. The Iranian government had sent him there for completely other reasons. He was meeting with Mulaney for reasons completely unrelated to the American embassy in Iraq. So from what I, I believe, now, now I'm about to go into some theories, so I'm about to depart from the facts, I believe that probably Trump was only briefed on the attack on the Iraqi militia leader that had been known to be organizing against the the embassy. He didn't even probably know that Soleimani was going to be there. Now, that seems weird because Soleimani is a much more prominent figure than the militia leader that was also killed in the strike. So for him to have been briefed on one and not the other would have been weird. But who knows what's going on in the manipulation in, in his camp? Because the, already what comes out from, from all of the leaks and stuff is that they, they lie to him all the time. From the reporting I saw, they said they floated the Soleimani name to him directly, and he made the call on that afterward. You mean for the, the attack on Soleimani? Yes. Like, from what I'm understanding, he, Soleimani was the target. I think that they, I think that he, that was something that they made up after they found that Soleimani had died in the attack. Because they reported that the target was Mulaney, and this was the day it happened. That he had struck an Iraqi militia leader named Mulaney, and then Suleimani's name out. Suleimani's name came out immediately after. Now it would. It's weird that they would have reported the militia leader, which is a much smaller figure, before the general, the Iranian general, right? Which I believe they were trying to cover. They were trying to backpedal and say, "Oh shit, wait a second. We killed Suleimani, which now is is they you weren't going to hide that for very long. You weren't going to hide that, and that's the thing about these drone strikes, especially these drone strikes when you attack them in their meetings or when they've been convened, or you know when they're leaving some some place like an airport, they might be with someone. They might have rendezvoused with the person at the airport to make sure because they don't have a huge network of people they can trust. So, yeah, I can imagine that he was probably met by somebody who's relatively important. And so, I don't know. I think it's a big quagmire. I think there were so many moving parts there that they had no clue who they were actually hitting in that strike. And now they're just trying to do whatever they can to not start war and not look weak. And it's like, you look... I mean... (laughs) The ineptitude of this administration is beyond comprehension, so anything is possible. I mean, I really I really hope that. And see, and then, and then the whole domino effect is weird because it's you do that on Iraqi soil, you for sure are going to force the Iraqi parliament into a situation where 
if they don't listen to their constituents because their constituents are going to for sure say, get them out of here. Now they're just killing. Even if we are at war with Iran, you can't kill the Iranian general in our country. We already have tension with them. That makes it worse. So unless we do something to show that we don't have any part in this, then we look like we're complicit. So now we were forced into a position where we have to take a stance where we ask you to leave. But then how do you get the American troops to leave? It's almost like these people have no crisis management skills. <laughs> it's almost like they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I, I, I think it's definitely like they have no idea what they're doing. But um, yeah, it's... It's interesting to see how it's unfolding. I really hope it unfolds. And, and uh, you know, if it just continues to unfold with them blowing up their ordinance over the over each other, fuck it. Blow that shit up. I could care less. But just, just don't kill any people's kids, man. Because that's the thing that really bothers me. That's what really got me to be very, very virulently anti-war. Even though I'm not generally anti-violence, I can't be... For war, because at its essence, war is me asking a lot of other people's kids to die for something that I believe in, and that I won't. Nah, I don't. Feel, I don't believe in that, that. Is incorrect. You do not ask them in war. You, you tell them to go and die. Yeah. Neither of which scenario I feel comfortable with. So. But yeah, moving on from some war uh, news to something that's a little bit more local, as in uh, our own political news. Uh, it was interesting. I had seen a, a report recently on um, the recent numbers that show the overall contributions from grassroots donors to political campaigns. Now... That, that is kind of a, a, a lot. So what that is is it is the overall contributions of individuals to political campaigns that are not uh, – that are original uh, donations and are not bundled donations. So this number is an aggregate of all of the individuals, like people like me and you, who are donating to political campaigns, and that number is around a billion dollars this year. So there's been a billion dollars transferred from individuals to the political apparatus of the ver various um, candidates that are running in their primary. Now, this is just the primary. We haven't even gotten close to the presidential election yet. So we're looking at primary campaigns now are drawing in donations totaling in the billions of dollars. And this is just on the Democratic side, because don't forget, there is no Republican primary. They've already chosen their horse. You know what I mean? On the Democratic side alone, just to decide who will be running... People have invested a billion dollars. And, I, and I'm, I keep reiterating that because this is absurd that our political apparatus is run by a billion dollars of the public funding 
outside of the taxes that we already pay to the government to take care of things like elections and so forth. Now, granted, the the, the Democratic primary is run by the DNC, which is, uh, I believe, not directly tied to federal funds, so they don't appropriate directly from taxes. But why is it that we do not have a tax appropriation for primaries and that we are individually coming out of our own pockets just to decide who is going to run? It's not even like we're talking about our presidential candidates. We're just doing this to decide. It strikes me as this is just a massive transfer of wealth away from from people. And I'm not sure um, if people are really recognizing what's going on here because it is the problem is that it's tied to such a laudable thing, which is contributing to your democratic apparatus. You want to do that. But one thing that people seem to fail to understand is that as a citizen, the only thing you should be giving to your to your to your nation or or your government or your municipality is your time and effort. Your money is not appropriate to be giving to those entities because those entities already have a way of interfacing with you to get your money. It's called your taxes. And when they want to 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 decide that they want to get more money from you, they have to go through our particular uh, uh, system to to lobby you for those taxes, okay? And that stands there for a reason. Now, these politicians are just circumventing our entire political apparatus and taking money directly from the public. This I find to be extremely problematic. I would say to anybody who hears my voice, contribute to your political apparatus, contribute to, to your municipal uh, uh, democratic uh, elections, and when I say democratic, I mean literally as in just in include yourself into the democracy, not vote democratic as in the Democratic Party. So I don't genuinely believe that the Democratic Party is in your best interest, but I do believe that the democratic process can produce somebody who might be in your best interest. And so I highly encourage people to engage in that process. I also highly recommend you do not give a single dollar to any of these people because none of them are poor. Facts. None of them are poor. None of them are even middle class. Okay? None of these people are genuinely in a position to where they can't self-fund for the most part. Now, I'll move away from the presidential primary and talk more about congressional seats, Senate seats, local elections. Now, on the local level, I will say that you it might be beneficial to give money to, let's say, your local comptroller, okay, who who is trying to run a campaign because they can, uh, they can administer that office better. That I I, I would not balk against to say, uh, don't uh, contribute your funds because it won't take a lot of your funds to actually contribute to be meaningful. But absolutely, do not contribute to anything outside of your city. I would highly recommend not doing that because it, it, it's a big farce. And I promise you that the history will look back on this and say, wow, they really, really, really had a good way of just milking money from the general public because it's absurd. And, and, and people are throwing their money at this. And, and I think also it's, a, it's an evolution of this idea of armchair activism that you can do your, do your, your good work as a citizen just by paying 
by donating money to someone who you trust. That's not doing your work as a democratic citizen. It doesn't benefit what you actually want. Giving them money will not get the change that you're looking for. You know, stumping for them, going out and talking to people and, and, and organizing events where people can show solidarity and, and share ideas. That, that, I think, will actually garner some, some positive change. You know what I mean? It'll help get people organized or even just the big thing about about solidarity and fellowship is that it just gets people thinking in the right direction. And so that goes a long way to getting people motivated to doing better in their life. And that will have bigger effects, you know, up the chain, you know, the, the trickle up, you know, uh, uh, benefits of, of people individually doing what's in their community's best interest. Then that computed that community as a part of a larger uh, uh, municipality will 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 benefit that. And then that municipality is, you know, a, a smaller piece of a larger governance will do better. And, and so it, it goes up. But it, expecting you, uh, your money to be given and donated to these politicians and then it's going to come back to you somehow in red legislation, I, uh, I think is fundamentally what was wrong with the lobbying situation. It's almost like you're saying we can't trust these politicians, Grace. That's, yeah, no, that's no, no, you absurd. can't. You can't. The moment I'll say you can trust a politician, the moment you see one of them take corporate money and then do exactly the opposite of what the corporations want. The True. moment someone I've lies on the behalf why, of the people, I'll I've start always wondered why no one ever took that approach. I was like, I was always like, why can't you just like take the lobbyist money and just tell them to fuck off at the end because that your idea was stupid. I've honestly wondered why no one ever took that because route. it's typically and they have no recourse this is the part that blows my mind they have no right. recourse they can't say hey i gave you this money and you didn't file my legislation because that would be a bribe <laughs> you gave me the money in hopes that i would do something for you mm -hmm. and i decided what you wanted wasn't in the best interest of the people so i didn't do it there was no reason for me not to take the money money was dope though appreciate the money exactly <laughs> so anyway the all of that you know, rant was just to say, be very mindful of how you spend your money in the political uh, sphere if you do choose to do um, to take those actions. And um, not that I probably have anybody uh, famous who listens to this podcast, but th those are the people who, who we need to be looking at. Because when Praz, you know, donates some, I, I think it was around... Um, million to two million dollars to Obama's campaign or not donates but rallies those funds and then directs them in the benefit of his campaign that's you know that's a really big maneuver you know and and I don't know if he's as mindful of how that is going to to change the wheels of the game you know what I mean like you know when the Breakfast Club gives platforms to these these presidential candidates, which I think they should do. I don't know if, in the end, they understand the ramifications of legitimizing certain people. Because while you want to give a lot of people a platform, you don't want to legitimize people who have either... Um, they're disingenuous. You don't want to legitimize someone's disingenuous behavior. You also don't want you don't want to become the harbinger of 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 um, 
straw man candidates. You know, you don't want to, you don't, you, you bear a huge responsibility. And so um, I hope that, you know, the people who are out there influencing elections with money contributions on the national level, I hope that they're more mindful of, of what they're doing. But anyway, um, speaking about some international news again, <laughs> this is just more of a, this is just more of a dig at, at the aristocracy because as a descendant of somebody who's formerly part of the Commonwealth of, of England, it's always funny to watch the royalty and the, the shenanigans they get into. And I was blown away when Harry decided to marry uh, Meghan because, you know, she's half Jamaican and Jamaica was, was the, the pearl of the Commonwealth back then. It was. And so for, for him to, to choose somebody who's descended from that says a lot, says a lot. But the fact that now they're trying to recede from the royal life and do all of this shenanigans, it, it, I'm going to start calling them the Markles now. <laughs> they're the Markles to me now. Because she, whatever, whatever, whatever witchcraft she has on that man, I can't understand as to, to why they would go, she would take a step into that and then they would leave. They would try to, like, what were you expecting going into this? I hope you weren't expecting like them to op- welcome you with open arms. You ever seen Look Who's Coming to Dinner? No. Oh man, old school, old school movie. Um, I don't want to sound ignorant, but I, I'm trying to remember the. Um, I want to say Sidney Poitier was in that movie, but um, check it out. Uh, in that movie, it is very clear that the mixing of of the the white upper class and the even middle class Jamaicans was not was not a thing <laughs> was not going to happen and it was over many many dead bodies it would happen and so it was interesting after you know and of course it's a fictional environment that's it was a fictional environment based on a real tension that exists though and so to see him marry her and then try to bring her into the royal life, and then for him to choose to leave the royalty on her behalf, because I mean I, I can't imagine he's not leaving it on his own behalf. He wasn't. He didn't leave the royalty when he was single. I mean, I don't so know. I don't know what kind of platinum pussy she's, pussy she's throwing at him, but whatever that interchange is, and then and then on top of that, they're saying, oh, they consulted Oprah. I'm like, listen, I don't Mo. know, I don't know what kind Mo. of fuckery they're talking, but. <laughs> This is uh, this is foolishness of the level that I have never seen come from the English aristocracy. Hey man, Oprah is the voice of reason. No, I, I don't rock with Oprah. You feel me? So if ever you were gonna get marriage advice from someone, you'd get marriage advice from the lady. Oh no, it wasn't marriage advice. I'm sorry, it was advice about uh, staying in the. In well, the, I, I guess the, I guess I guess they were asking her um, because. The, the, I'm pretty. I don't think Prince Harry's ever had a job. Why he, would he have a job? He's, yeah, he's never had a job. He's never. He's never had to interface with anything. As in, I'm. I'm making money off of you, type of thing. So I guess they went. You know, he was like, "Well, who do you go to when you need, you know, help figuring out your career?" He's like, "I'm gonna go to Oprah." I. I, I can only assume I mean, that's, that's how fair. it went down. I, I can mean, only assume that's how <laughs> it went down because that shit don't make no sense to me. 
But, I mean, I like that, though. If you're going to name drop, go big. That's what's up. Yeah, but I was just like, man, I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Like, if you want to leave, like, oh, you're, you're just, you're just going to step down? You're going to abdicate whatever responsibilities you have as, what, the eighth in line or whatever he is? Look, man. That shit is ridiculous. Okay, what well, what is a king? What exactly is a well. king? What exactly is royalty? You feel me? It's a bunch of niggas pretending that they're special. You feel me? That whole thing is ridiculous to me. So if he wants to quit pretending that he's special, you know what I mean? Do your thing, partner. Yeah, do I, your I feel thing. you. And it just it's bog it just boggles my mind. It's genuinely behavior that I can't comprehend. Like, okay. I mean, clearly I don't have the information that's necessary to comprehend it, but. Nah, my son. G, your blood's and not blue What was she saying? That. Like, I, I can only imagine what's going through her head. Like, she, I, I, as I said, she should, of anyone, I would have expected that she would have realized, hey, you know, when if you're talking about marrying a prince, then you're not talking about someone who's progressive. Kings and princes and queens are not progressive concepts. So, what did you expect? What did you really expect? I mean, I really appreciate and all your dig upon the Jamaican princess, still, you know. Jamaican <laughs> princess, you had the big things, and you know, try to tear her down. East, my God. East, <laughs> east. But no, um, no, I, I, I'm not trying to hate on her. I just, I'm, I'm flabbergasted. Because, like, like, how do you maintain whatever level of, of, life, unless, unless she's like, yo, I'm down with the stepping down of the lifestyle. Let's, let's take it back. Let's let's just step it back know. to some normal people shit. Uh, you know what I mean? No cow, no no castles. She seems like no Rolls Royces. She was a successful actress prior to being. She was not a successful. Uh, you never heard of her uh, name before uh, she got married. She was on what you call it? She's on that one Don't show. Don't you dare she's say Scrubs. No, nah, she's on Suits. She's on Suits. Yeah, it's a it's a it's um a show about a bunch of lawyers and shit. It was on Netflix. She's definitely on that show. She's on TV. So, okay. Bro. Does that mean you're successful though? Um, I mean, I don't really, I don't really know enough about Carlton her career. was on TV. Carlton is definitely successful. Absolutely. Where is, where is this? Carlton is so successful he doesn't need to do TV okay. anymore. Well, <laughs> he doesn't need to be seen to anymore. You feel me? But it's like I don't know. But that's what I'm saying. He's he's so successful he's not doing TV. She exactly. was currently doing TV, so that means you ain't that successful yet. I mean, you still gotta you gotta log at least five seasons. You feel me? When you log five seasons and you're in um syndication, then you good. Then you're definitely okay. Well, successful. then she she was on her way. <laughs> she was. I'll give her that. But she's I ain't already give her the title of successful okay. TV. I I think she's. I think she definitely got her own bread. I mean, she definitely ain't got like royalty bread. But I feel like you know. I feel you like think she got bread like that? Because yeah. they don't make that much off of those. But she still got, like I'm saying, that it's on Netflix in syndication. She gets residuals from that. Yeah, that's not the only that's show not she big was bread, on. Though. That's not that's big not, bread, though. She might get, like... Okay. Mm -hmm. Who is, um... What's the name of that shit? Uh, 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 uh... Who's Butcher's wife in The Boys? Oh. Megan Merkel. Is that Megan? Yes. I didn't even recognize her. She exactly. looked white. She, bro, she's everywhere. She's she's. Is that how she got the prince? <laughs> she put on that white face? She hit him with the white face? And you all caught, you all caught our Jamaican princess? Hey, Bridget. Yo, they got look Jamaican white. Jamaican people are of many different shades, isn't it? Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> But nah, like, um, yeah, she, uh, she's on, she, she does. I mean, I can't 
full disclosure, I only know of two shows that Megan Merkel is on. Suits and The Boys. That's it. Well, she was on Scrubs, I think. Hell no. Nah, I don't think so. Yeah, I thought that was... Mm-mm, Scrubs stopped making new episodes like 10 years ago. That's what ago. I'm saying. Like, that was like, she's been acting for a long time. She's not a young girl. Oh, shit. Yeah, that shows you how much I know. I don't know. I don't know anything. But yeah, about no, I, I mean, I could be making shit so. up too. I could be completely wrong. I could have mistaken suits for scrubs, but <laughs> close enough. I mean, a scrub is a type of suit. It is. It's a medical so, suit. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like she was doing pretty decent before before him. You know. I know. Um, I'm, I'm just talking. A, I'm talking a lot of junk right now. But no, I just ultimately. I was just baffled as to the interplay that leads to that because I figured she would be in it despite any kind of negative pushback she would get from the family. Because I, I thought that that was just kind of the air of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But for them to step back from their royal responsibilities makes me feel like they've that something happened. You know, either uh, Harry or her had a deal breaker happen. I'm not sure what that is. I don't know. Things are kind of hairy in the uh, in the castle right now. You know what I mean? Andrew got caught doing some. Crazy I'm about to things. say, speaking of the hairy shit in the castle. Andrew's got some weird speaking friends. Speaking of perfect so, segue, you know what I mean? It's the perfect segue. <laughs> so, so what's up with weird. your boy Jeffrey? They lost all the tapes of the murder, bro. So anyway, <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein, um, who has affiliations with the royal family, let there be. No questions about that. There are strong affiliations. I oh, mean, yeah. the receipts go long. My dude was dude. in an interview talking about how he wasn't that bad. Yo, Yo Andrew, Andrew. The was, receipts between <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein and the royal family are long. Yo, they're so long. You got Andrew kicked out the family. Said, oh, oh got did his they birthday canceled? Word. Yeah, I didn't even know that. The queen canceled his birthday party. Oh, it was, for it good was reason. Like, oh, come on, yo. These are what I call unforced fucking errors. That was an unforced error. Pun intended. Listen, if the man, listen, whether you agree with having sex or children or not, that's not that's not my conversation Hopefully to have not. with you. I always will say will be on the side of do not have sex with children, always. But even if you believe that that is an okay thing to do. You gotta be able to recognize that the rest of the world doesn't agree with you. Pretty and much. if you're gonna go on public Pretty television, much. you gotta recognize that you shouldn't stand on the my friend is a sexual abuser, but he wasn't a bad guy around me. You can't hey, stand on that. I you never cannot seen stand on him that. abuse nobody in front of me. You, you cannot I mean? stand on that. You know what I mean? Like Oh, boy, Jeffrey has always been a good like, chap. These guys are liars. These guys are disingenuous on the face of it. Why can't they just lie to the camera? It's like it's like the camera's their truth serum or something. It's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why would you do that? Like, ugh. Like, that disgusts me more. Like, lie, lie to me. <laughs> lie to me. Because at least that implies that you respect me enough to not want me to hate you. I do agree with that. But yeah. you, these dudes just go yeah. on to. She should have canceled his. She should have canceled everything about him. That is the reason why I don't like weak lies. Whenever, whenever someone's like laziness. to me, yes, and they give me like a weak excuse, I'd be like, really? That's what I was you like, went wow, with? you really don't respect me, Dad. That's what you went you with. You really don't fuck with me. So you think I'm a dumbass, Dad? That's fucked up. But yeah, like. And I loved Ricky Gervais's takedown of Hollywood 
on the Golden Globes uh, um, opening that he did because they fucking deserved it, man. Boy, did he come at them hard. And he came at them. He came at them with no remorse. It was great. Calling them out like, yo, I know you're mad because he's your friend. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Like, yes, you guys are terrible people. You take money from countries and, and, and authorities and places that w- – and, and speaking of the actors that he was speaking to, he talks about how they, they, they do these films for, for actors who are not genuine, propaganda films. They'll take money from anyone. He even said that they, he's like, you, if the Taliban was taking, uh, was, was taking auditions, you guys would, would ask how much. You know, and it's like, yeah, I just totally butchered that joke, by the way. That's not verbatim what he said. <laughs> but he said something of the nature. But it was just it was just very telling and very poignant and it was really appreciated because hollywood loves to stand on um to stand on a point that they have no right to make they love to talk about how people you know oh i don't know one of the any number of their i cuz i don't follow hollywood outrage anymore because it's so ridiculous but just take any um a cause that is championed by these armchair activists uh, in Hollywood, and 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 you can immediately go back, go back ten tweets, and you'll find something that'll totally <laughs> show them representing the opposite side of that point. It's terrible, you know what I mean? And 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 I really really loved that he took the time to give them a real big fuck you to their face. You know what I mean? Like that that felt good. I was like, thank you, Ricky. I really appreciate you. Even though I don't know why they would. And he even said, he's like, they fired Kevin Hart for some tweets. <laughs> do, you, do you know who you hired for this job? Hey, man. But the thing is, though, like, Ricky Gervais is pretty good at roasting people. That's why they got him. You know what I mean? Because he, remember, he was roasting Mel Gibson that one year. Um, mm-hmm. The last time. The I don't know time if it was the it. last time. Yeah. But that that one year when Mel Gibson had a couple of them faux pas, he came out swinging. That is really nicely put. <laughs> Calling those faux pas. Oh man, yo, or my man introducing said, new my words man into said the lexicon. That he hopes that you get raped by a pack of niggas. Right, right, a pack, not even like, one. Like that's deep. A pack of niggas. That's deep. And speaking of speaking of Sugar niggas, tits. I I, mm-hmm. I I I am going to for uh, 2020 be more mindful. Like I don't say I don't use the word nigga around white people too much um, if I can help it because it's not appropriate. Um, but I do use it colloquially, and I don't generally find anything wrong with it. But what I do respect is the idea that we should move past whatever psychological coping mechanism we use to make that word okay for us we can move past it it's just a word there's no reason for it to be a staple of our vernacular any more than any other word that we move past and so that i do respect that i can't say there's no reason to be stagnant and complete and continue to use the word uh unnecessarily um now if now if it's part of your your verbal your verbal colloquialisms go for it I'm not going to hate on you. I'm definitely not the words police. You know, if anything, you might call me the intentions police, but I'm not <laughs> going to, I'm not going to police your words. They're just small mouth sounds. As far as I'm aware, apes have been entertaining themselves for 35,000 years with small mouth sounds. I'm not going to be the one to be the police of that. That's just silly in my opinion. But 
I will police my own words and I will, you know what I mean? I will be mindful of the things that I say. And so I will attempt to use it more sparingly. Um, I just, cause I just don't feel the need to not do it at all. <laughs> it, it's just a word and it doesn't have that much control over me, but I do respect the movement. <laughs> I do respect the movement. With that being said, I think that we had a healthy discussion today. So we're going to go ahead and wrap up. I appreciate you guys chilling with me for this whole time. This was one, this one was a little bit longer than usual. Hope you guys appreciated Rico. I really liked having his help here. Keeping it, keeping it flow. That's what's up. You know, I'm going to be around. That's what's up. So, yeah, I will close out on some wise words. Time is only wasted if you choose to waste it. So learn from all your failures and join me on the next podcast. You guys have a great one. Take it easy.